Hi guys, I'm Millie Fox, serial entrepreneur, energetic business coach, and lover of all things luxury. Welcome to the Millie Fox Show, a place where you'll encounter refreshing perspectives on manifestation, spirituality, and the new paradigm of feminine leadership. Let's dive in. Hey there, Millie popping in to let you know about this incredible new creation that I have for you. I have created a five-minute manifestation method for moms, which involves a five-minute daily visualization along with two-minute journal prompts because I want to remove all the barriers possible for you to manifest your dream life. And I want to remove any myths that it takes a lot of time or any kind of fancy rituals to make your dreams come true. So if you want to grab a copy of this for free, you can find it in the show notes. This is a much anticipated conversation. I have been really excited to have my next guest on the podcast. I'm going to introduce you to her. Um, Her name is Summer Aguila, hoping I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. Did I get it? You're pretty close. Aguila? Okay, so close. Um, And I'm going to introduce you to her right now, and then we're going to just dive in. I know this is going to be such a juicy conversation. So Summer is an autistic trauma expert who utilizes her energy healing gifts and deep scientific knowledge of the human experience to facilitate rapid holistic transformations that restore mental health, reclaim the nervous system, and explodes vibrational magnetism. So all of that right there just like tingles and, and, you know, (laughs) lights me on fire in so many different ways, because what you're saying, what you're talking about online, the posts that you share, I'm always like, Oh my God. I love it. Like, I love, I love the angle that you come at stuff from. Like there's, you're, you're a disruptor in a huge way. Uh, and, and I love that. So welcome to you. the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So tell us just like a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this work? Start off with that for now. Yeah. How I got into this is actually kind of twofold. Like one of them was I, I've always wired, been wired a little bit differently. One of my clients actually found the perfect word for it. She's like, you're a frequent seer, like S-E-E-R. I don't really see time space at all. I never have, which was not fun living in the South. Like the civil war was still going on and stuff like that. But I would always see like frequencies. And so I, I healed myself a lot as a kid. I grew up in a very abusive household, so I had to. And that's actually where I started really working on um, like the energy work. And I learned a ton of like root working and different skills working with nature when I was a kid. Fast forward to me getting older um, after a very spicy childhood, I had pretty gnarly mental illnesses and a couple of um, non-substance addictions because I was like, oh, I'm from a family of drunks and druggies. I'm not going to get on alcohol or booze. No idea you could get addicted to people and feelings. <laughs> so I went down that rabbit hole. And when I crawled out of it, there were actually very few people, especially that were like female presenting that had experience with rehab and non-substance addictions. So mm-hmm. I ended up first from a 12-step uh, consultant standpoint, different rehabs were asking me to be there. And now I consult in over 90 rehabs in mm-hmm. most of the US. And I'm in, I think I'm in 31 countries now. With COVID, a couple of them shut down, so I'm in less. But um, 
And I was working with a lot of people that were just absolutely brilliant. And one of the doctors I was working with who had seen that like the process that I was using was working over and over and over with people that were coming out of very extreme uh, situations like that particular rehab, we would get um, people that were rescued from the family of God that the family international children of God. There we go. They changed their name. They were children of God. Now they're the family international, but they're, they're pretty gnarly cult, but they still have rescue efforts um, that go to different places to rehab. And that was one of the places I was working. And he's like, well, why don't you do this for a living? You know, life coaches and trauma experts make a ton of money unless you're chicken. And that's actually how I started my business because I couldn't combine the energy work at all in a clinical setting. They just, Mm. it was weird, even though you can prove, and it has been proven scientifically multiple times that people uh, react to unseen energy. Most of those experiments being psychology experiments, they were Mm -hmm. still very reticent about it. So I was like, all right. Funny thing is, is a lot of those rehabs now are asking me to train their staff. I'm like, hmm. Really? You mean on my woo-woo stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the, like the toe is starting to get dipped into that whole world and the whole, like, you know, in, in the mainstream war, which is wonderful and beautiful. And geez, okay. So yes, trauma and like woo-woo put together. I think that oftentimes there's such a huge divide between these two worlds, you know? And I like how you say that you had such a, you had a spicy childhood. I would say the same thing about myself. And that's why I'm so interested in, you know, trauma recovery and I have a background in psychology as well, but bringing these two things together is so important. And people are not having these conversations People are not having these conversations. And like, I believe there's just a whole lot of like victim blaming going on in this, uh, in this world, in the sphere of energetics and manifestation and all that. And I try to call it out and I love how you call it out. So the way narcissists hate me and I'm like, but you realize it's a narcissistic abuse with woke wording, but it's, it's the same thing. It's, invalidating people's needs it's invalidating their experience and it's dehumanizing them asking them to suck it up and just be happy anyway like yeah uh -uh. that's that's a toxic positivity right and I think on on the part of many of us like we many people don't even know what codependency is like Mm -hmm. they think it's just being overly dependent on a partner but that is not what codependency is Mm -hmm. and so many of these people coming in and studying you know, manifestation, they become highly codependent on their teachers, right? On their gurus, on their coaches. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, it's funny because actually that's a large part of what I do with my clients is um, I have a lot of clients that come to me because they have coach trauma, where it was these very um, toxic, very codependent relationships um, with a lot of gaslighting (laughs) and they also, we're paying lots of money for this. So it's bad enough when someone's abusive to you, but when you've paid them like $20,000 to do it, it, it hits a next level. And this is something that like, I know people brag about their numbers and getting people in and all this other crap, but I um, might ruffle some feathers here, but not everyone should be working with everyone that is willing to pay them. And there's a lot of, especially in coaching and self-improvement, a lot of people that don't realize that they are repackaging abuse in different wording. Like for example, in, in more traditional coaching that I'm not going to mention names, but the stuff you see on TV and stuff, 
where they'll just yell at somebody and bully someone into like a traumatic break, a literal psychotic break and be like, look, we fixed them. Like, no, you actually just fuck them up so much more. <laughs> and you did in front of people. For me, the, I, I actually left coaching for a while because I was like, I was actually ashamed to be associated with people that were that like Machiavellian, that were that fucking clueless, that were like hurting that many people and bragging about it honestly, just bragging about, well, they're paying me and they're coming in. Like it should be more, if you're in a service industry where you help people, the bottom line should not be the only thing that matters. And the only thing you're bragging about actually helping people should be it. Um, But also I come from psychology and medicine background and I was a teacher before that. So like I I went into things, not for the paychecks for damn sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it was actually helping people. And so I, I, it breaks my heart because a lot of these people come with a ton of trauma and it's hard for them to trust. And it's Mm -hmm. hard for them to even have a little bit of hope that something can change. And I think it's unconscionably unethical to crush that hope with just, you know, imagine a new reality bullshit. (laughs) Just, there's no word for it. It is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, like with the whole realm of infinite possibility and potential, that is a part of it, right? That is not the only part we can, like that's the, we have to honor the human experience. We have to honor the full range of human emotions and not just discount and negate and bypass, right? Like there's just so much bypassing. And I want to just go back for a second to a couple of the terms that we used, because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know like what they mean. So I want to go back to codependency. Can you give us a quick explanation of what you would consider codependency to be? Yeah, it's when your internal sense of self and stabilization uh, is determined by external factors. Quite often it's used with other people, but uh, a lot of people can be codependent on actually OCD is a form of codependency because you are completely Mm. dependent on the outside world being like a certain way um, or you can't function. Codependency is one of those very (laughs) umbrella terms that most people seem to understand only in like one way of most people think of like, you know, the clingy girlfriend being like, I need you, you know, with a guy or something. Yeah, but that's actually not it at all. It's also the coaches that can't post unless they get enough likes and enough feedback from it. It's also the people that are, you know, terrified to move forward unless you know mom approves and their sister approves and dad's on board. And so people it can be placing. a lot. Of, yeah, it can be a lot of external sources that aren't even necessarily um, a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, it's like your locus is just outside of yourself, right? Like exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly chasing it, basically. (laughs) Yeah, that's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, that's exhausting. Okay, and then the next one was gaslighting. Can you explain what is what is gaslighting and how do coaches gaslight people? Yeah, this one is actually fun because I like to know like where things come from, especially in the English language. There's a lot of phrases that I have no place that they came from this one's actually cool because it was from a movie where uh, the husband was like turning down the light back when they were gas actual gas lamps on the lights and then telling her he wasn't so that she was feeling crazy and um, a lot of times that people do the same sort of thing like I've for example um, I had a really gnarly sexual assault that I was processing with a coach and she told me that I was staying in victim mentality by processing the fact that I had gotten raped and I was like (sighs) That sort of thing is a gaslight. It, it comes in different ways, but if you're basically be t- being told in some way you're not allowed to feel the way that you feel, 
or the way that you're feeling is invalid because, and then they insert whatever their reason is, that's definitely being gaslighted. It's invalidation and dismissal. Invalidation. And I think we, we all do it, you know, to, to one another, you know, it's kind of like, we, we kind of like, Oh, get over it type thing, Mm -hmm. but it's just being cognizant of it. And if coaches are doing it, like that's a whole next level. Like if you went to a therapist that was gaslighting you, that would be so many red flags on top of red flags. Right. And there's just no accountability for it. And, and I'm really sorry that happened to you. I was actually inside of a program with a coach who was doing something very similar in a group setting. And I actually spoke up about it and I was basically gaslit about it. <laughs> it's like, Same thing oh, here. Yay. yeah, I was choosing a victim mentality. That's what I got. I was like, Yeah, the The answer that I got was, well, this method has helped a lot of people. So whatever you're saying doesn't matter. I'm like, okay. There are a lot of very famous life coaches that made their living off of bullying people and yelling at them till they had a disassociative (laughs) break and became someone else. And that's not a flex. Um, People changing is not necessarily a flex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That could mean you're a bully, which a lot of times it does. I mean, like, yeah, tough love to, to a point. Right. And then it's like, where's the, where do we draw the line? So uh-huh. let's spin this back around into something positive instead of just, you know, criticizing the coaching industry, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential for good and a lot of potential for, for positive to come out of it, which is why I think both of us are in the uh-huh. industry. Right. So how, how is it that you see what you're doing, like making a huge change in the way in the coaching industry? Like, why do we need to focus on trauma when we're doing this energetic work? I think both energetic and physical, because a lot of times people like treat either, you know, mindset issues or something like that. And they don't realize that it actually is like how your nervous system was wired And if your nervous system wasn't wired in a safe, encouraging system, then going in front of a mirror and saying affirmations every day isn't really going to help. You can tap on your face till you give yourself black eyes and and it's not going to really do a whole heck of a lot until you get down to the root of it, which is why I also am like a huge, huge proponent of um, working with your nervous system specifically Mm -hmm. because your conscious mind actually doesn't have that much control in your day to day. And that's another one that's been scientifically proven. Your subconscious makes a minimum of 95% of your decisions. And that's run by your nervous system and your inner child. So if you're doing any sort of self improvement work, that doesn't um, specifically focus on your nervous system and your inner child, you are going to be like spinning your wheels big time on that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I totally feel that, especially um, when you said about the affirmations piece, like affirmations just used to make me angry. Me too. And that's actually a trauma response because you've been told to think something different. And so you're basically (laughs) gaslighting yourself. Like I feel great. I feel happy. I have a million dollars and your conscious mind's like, Bish, you feel awful and you're in the negative. Don't even try to play me like that. (laughs) Yeah, it creates like serious cognitive dissonance, right? It's like Mm -hmm. so much friction, internal friction. So Mm -hmm. for me, the way that I I tapped out of that was like, what do affirmations really actually mean? Like for me, it changed Mm -hmm. the, the meaning of it from yeah. I, I am in this moment, like I, mm-hmm. I am rich 
to the Mm -hmm. I am like capital I am like the internal true the truth of who I am my consciousness like at a fundamental source level I am all those things so Mm -hmm. that the affirmations for me then became reconnecting with my source and truth rather than trying to paste on some kind of like you know band-aid to try to pull me up to this like level of believing which felt completely inaccessible you know yeah it is and the great thing that i found is like Mm -hmm. i train a lot of coaches too in in this way of working and so i'm trying to help with the coaching industry by like producing more not only trauma informed but trauma fluent because yeah i think a lot of people might cognitively know how to handle um trauma but they that might not necessarily translate into practicum all the time Um, So very much like trauma fluent as well. I see this, I work a lot in like clinical psychology and I'll see the same with people who've, you know, studied the books, but they haven't had the experience with it particularly. So they know the book knowledge, but then when they see it, I mean, it's like, if anyone like you, you're a mom, you read the books. Was that anything like actually? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's way more layered, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and it's the same sort of thing when you're digging into trauma. And the other part of it too, is I've, I've been working with, um, just as I've been working with different coaches and stuff, they've asked me to like do, you know, just one-off things to give them different perspectives and tools to work with their clients, which is funny. Cause I used to pride myself on not being one of those coaches who coaches coaches. I actually work with a lot of my career background. Um, I was a model and an actress for a really long time. And so I have a lot of friends that also were too, and those are not, not really mentally healthy <laughs> industries to be in. Right. So I work a lot with them. And also like a lot of them are leaving their industries, but still would like to keep the money. So they're doing something different. Um, but now I've actually started working with some coaches that are like, Hey, can I just pick your brain for like an hour on what to do for these different things? And it's been beautiful to me to see people like yourself that just see something. They're like, Oh man, I like that knowledge. And they come to me and they're like, I would like to know more. And one of my big things when I first started was normalizing the human experience with the fact mm-hmm. that like, I don't know everything. I have shitty days. I get period poops like everybody else. Like, uh, yes. A normal person. Um, and that's also made it more approachable for people that are, you know, seven, eight figure coaches to be like, okay, well, uh, I'll ask, which I'm glad about because it's not that I want to work with everyone. Like that. I, I definitely don't want to. I don't even have the spoons for that. Like I work with groups. I can't do a lot of one-on-one, but I do want people to actually have this knowledge for their own self and for the people Mm -hmm. that they're working with. Cause um, there are very few things that are universal, but like your nervous system running your body is pretty much for everybody. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Very few exceptions where your nervous system doesn't Doesn't. have anything to do with your (laughs) day-to-day. Yeah. Right. That's perfect. I was actually just going to come back to that idea of like soothing your nervous system and working with your nervous system. What are some ways that people can even start that work? Because when you hear that, you're like, oh, my nervous system, that sounds like a job for a professional, you know? Yeah. Which for certain things you should, uh, depending on what you're doing. So I will actually keep that asterisk there. That being said, um, like I actually did a, a free challenge last week that was received with these and I gave them different vagus nerve exercises that you can do. Your vagus nerve is, it's really cool. It controls like all three of your nervous systems. You're, mm-hmm. You have a sympathetic nervous system, which feels the anxiety, a limbic system, which is kind of the mediator to get both your nervous systems to chill out. 
And then the parasympathetic system, which takes care of reproduction, digestion. Um, that's why people with chronic anxiety also usually have chronic constipation, really, really bad uh, <coughs> menstrual issues too. Mm. Um, but your vagus nerve, which is basically like right behind the sharpest part of your jawline, mm-hmm. um, that controls everything. So with very gentle massage, especially if you have like one of those gua sha ones, you can just kind of rub Love it out the to roller. the side. Yeah. Um, man, where's the, the little gua sha ones that look like a side. Oh, they're skirt. like a triangle. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like I have got, got one of those somewhere too. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. You can actually just kind of, and you'll feel when it's tense. Like right now I felt it. It feels like a little knot and you want to go straight along with your jaw curve. Like my job's jaw is pretty straight. So I'm going straight, but if you have a heart shaped face, go up. Um, and that's one way almost immediately to start getting it to, um, calm down. Another one, if you don't have anything around it is, um, you don't have to do this with your hands. I'll just demonstrate it. Cause it's a lot easier this way. You just kind of interlace your fingers, put them behind your head and you can even put your thumbs on the base of your skull to keep it straight. You look forward and you want to have your elbows as far out as you can. So they're not kind of, and you'll actually look at one, try to look at one elbow and keep your fo- face straight. You don't want to look down. You don't want to look up just straight at it. Until it's happy, right? Oh, and then you yawn. Until, yeah, you either yawn or swallow, then you go back to center. Yeah. And do the same on the other side. Um, you don't have to have your hands up. Oh, I just got myself a little dizzy. There's like such a blood rush. <laughs> <laughs> you actually don't have to have your hands up. That's just something like when you're first learning it to keep your head straight. But I used mm-hmm. to do that a lot when I worked in hospitals, especially like trauma and emergency rooms, because my adrenaline was constantly pumping and I would actually feel my kidneys hurting from it. Oh, um, wow. And I would do that a few times to get my body to chill out. And then I was like, okay, at least you're not pumping adrenaline right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Oh, goodness. So for anybody who is listening and is like, I don't know what you just did, you can go to YouTube and watch the, uh, you can watch the video. Uh, for those of you who are just listening, if you didn't follow along with the hands, you know, the fingers inter- intertwined, put them behind your head thumbs on base, elbows out, and then look at your elbow. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but if you want to watch the YouTube video, you can watch the YouTube video. That's, that's really helpful. I've been thinking a lot about my nervous system lately, which is such a funny thing, but I've been, I've been spending a lot of time up in the middle of the night with my daughter and my nervous system. it, It gets, it's, it's just really being fried from the sleep deprivation. And, uh, trying to think of ways that I can like keep, like when I'm all keyed up like that, that I can chill out so that I can actually go to sleep, um, without requiring, you know, taking some kind of supplements or, you know, whatever other substance to help me just like actually turn off and go to sleep. Do you have any recommendations for that? Yeah, I have a few actually. (laughs) And most of them are nervous system based. Yeah. (laughs) So like right around your perineum area, we have what's called the psoas muscle group. And that kind Uh of chills everything out. You can get into like a deep squat to where you're like, um, almost looks like you're like pooping in the forest, uh, like way, way deep squat. That's almost on the ground. And if you rock like either side to side or back or front, that'll like stretch out those muscles Mm -hmm. and do that for about three to five minutes. 
Um, fair warning with that though, because you also stretch your hips with it. Uh, you might have an emotional release too. Oh, right. Yeah. There's um, a ton of emotions in the hips. I, I know that from my yoga practice. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Lots of tears. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I know. One of the first times I started doing like deep yoga for, um, I have a trauma informed yoga certification and I was curious oh, wow. about that. I, I was like, oh, I don't see how this will help. And I did a few poses and I was like, ah. Uh, I know I back. used to like cr- cry every time I went to yoga and I was like what's going on what's wrong with me yeah and I'm generally a stoic person so I was like what's happening is yoga's breaking me but I needed yeah. to be broken I was too icy yeah me too me too uh so <laughs> so good and this just goes to show you that the the body is intrinsically linked with the energy right like it's not it's not a far out concept guys. It's Mm -mm. just, there's so much evidence of it all over the place in your day to day all the time. Like when you feel emotions, you feel physical sensations in your body, you know? And when you actually the way you're supposed to feel emotions, like when your therapist says feel your feelings, people think it's like, Oh, well, let me just be sad for a long time. Like, no, where do you feel it? Is it tightness in your chest? Like that's actually that reconnection is it's so important. Yeah. And just even like increasing your emotional intelligence is, Mm -hmm. I I think is a huge part of that is being able to name the feeling and name what it feels like in the body. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really reconnecting to, to yourself and your experience. And I, I was just saying this, like we, when we signed up to come to this world, you know, when we were like, writing our soul contracts and all that (laughs) stuff. Like we signed up for the full range of human emotions. Mm -hmm. That's what we came here for. We came for the full human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is required. You can't run away from it. (laughs) Yeah. There's a a quote that I can't remember who said it and I'm going to kind of butcher it, but um, basically like when I'm dead and go meet my maker, like, I want to say that like, yeah, every one of those crayons that you gave me in the coloring box is like down to a nub. I didn't just use like, you know, the Roy G Biv and ignore the black Brown and the lesser pretty ones. And Mm -hmm. I think about that. I'm like, yeah, actually I do want to wear down all my metaphorical crayons to nubs before I'm Mm -hmm. whatever they do with my remains. (laughs) Yeah. transitioning on to the next realm or timeline or wherever, wherever whatever decision I make next time. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you sign up for next. Yeah. I'm all, let's do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, the possibilities. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. What do I want to ask you next? There's so, (laughs) there's so much. Okay. What would you say, uh, is the biggest sort of like misunderstanding or myth about manifestation? Um, that you don't have to do anything. I mean, I'll elaborate, but I think that that one's like one of the biggest myths that you can just, um, you know, daydream here and there, and then just continue on life as normal. Don't take care of any underlying issues that might be preventing it. Don't deal with your nervous system so it can feel comfortable to receive that and not terrified. Um, mm-hmm. Don't take any action steps to get yourself to that point. And then, oh, my manifestation doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Um, but there is more to it than, you know, drawing sigils or sigils or however you pronounce it. And, you know, manifapping, you <laughs> got to take some steps, whether it's actually in your business or whatever it is you're doing, 
or within yourself, just because, I mean, in order to be a vibrational match, our vibration is also our physical bodies. So if our <laughs> physical bodies don't feel safe, like, for example, I uh, grew up, it was weird. I grew up poor, but around a lot of like ridiculously, like I know a couple of uh, Rothschilds that are friends of mine's and wow. I know a couple of former Gettys, but they've changed their names because Gettys have a tendency to get kidnapped. So I grew up with like really, 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 really insane wealth, as well as being very poor. And the two of those together ended up giving me my nervous system was just like fried when it came to money because it was mm -hmm. either something stressful you have to get or something stressful people are trying to get from you and could potentially put your life and your family's lives in danger. Right. So for me, manifesting wasn't working because my nervous system was terrified of money. My mm -hmm. manifesting wasn't working because I wasn't like digging into my inner child stuff and seeing what the hell was going on that was preventing it. My manifesting wasn't working because I wasn't nurturing my inner child at all to help that poor little kid like come around to the other side. And I was doing the same thing my parents did, which was just like, oh, you know, suck it up and deal with your feelings by yourself, which my parents did the best they could. That being said, that's not exactly great parenting. And I don't want to do that to myself. So yeah, um, it wasn't necessarily that I was in Facebook posting every day or it was that I was like on Insta every day with reels or something. But I still had to do the work on the back end of getting myself to be a vibrational match on, on the things that needed to, which mm -hmm. is something that I'm still working on. Like one of my good friends, that's a former Getty. She changes her name every once in a while <laughs> for her safety. We were talking about it the other day and she's phenomenally wealthy and she's literally moving, running for her life all the time, changing her name constantly. And she's like, I kind of wish I had been born poor and I could just have a real, a real life. And mm -hmm. I've known her since I was three. So she's like a sister to me. Um, so those sort of things were what was preventing me. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I needed to do more online or that I needed to envision more. It was that uh, psychologically there was some blocks. My inner child was terrified and my nervous system was like, yeah, dude, this isn't safe. Uh, -uh no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Safety is like inner safety, nervous system safety. That's something that not a lot of people really like go into. And I just think it's because not a lot of people have the tools to help with it. So they just kind of like skirt by it. And it's interesting. There's actually two kind of really conflicting messages in the manifestation world. One is like, you don't have to do anything. And then there's the other message that's like a lot of pressure around inspired action, right? Like hustle, hustle. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it, I don't know. So it's, it's, it's not that you have to do certain things, right. To, to, in order to manifest, it's that you have to do things in a certain way, right. Yeah. Like it's that you're, yeah. you're doing things from how you're being right. Like, so that you're becoming the energetic match, but it's not just about being the energetic match. It's also moving in that way. It's also being that person and making decisions and choices as the energetic matched person would. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just approaching it from like, who, who is that person? And that, and that I want to just make note, like that person is not outside of you, right? Mm -hmm. Like that other person is, is in you already. And this is about, again, like going inwards, not having that external locus of control or like feeling like you don't measure up. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's another problem that I see in yeah. the world is like people feeling like, well, I feel like an imposter when I'm being next level me, but like, that's when you're in your brain, imagining you're imagining your next level, you as like this lofty version of you. That's like 
above you, but it's not like you have to imagine it in your heart, in your core, in your soul. Like next level me is like that deep me. You know what I mean? I feel like even that shift in, in imagery and the way you imagine it helps a lot in -hmm. knowing that like that power is already there. It's not something you have to grasp at, you know, in order to, to do the things. And then again, coming back to this idea, like of doing when we talked about affirmations Mm -hmm. or when we talk about journaling or vision boarding or blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of actions like that, that you can do again and again and again and again, and they won't change anything for you because it's, it's, you know, it's creating resistance inside of you because you you don't believe those things because you haven't done the underlying work, which is what you're talking about. You're talking about like the nervous system and the inner child and the, like the baseline, the stories, the foundations, like all of that stuff. So it's healing really. It's a lot of healing work. It is. And same, it's funny because it ends up being the path to like everything. Cause um, mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me also wanting their psychic skills developed and they're like, Oh, I want to be able to see and interpret everything like you. I'm like one, no, you don't. It's very distracting. And <laughs> two, it's all the same path. Like it really is all the same path, which is getting yeah. like everything on board because especially in like a Western capitalistic society, we're so disconnected from ourselves. We're so disconnected from our emotions. We're so disconnected from even like earth, let alone source. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even know like where their food is grown. You know? Right. Um, like I saw the other day, I saw a fruit that's like very out of season here. And I was like, that's really weird. Where the hell they get that from? And it was from Chile. And this little kid um, picked it up and was like, why is this fruit called child? And I was like, we don't even know where our food comes from. We're so disconnected with absolutely mm-hmm. everything. And the only way to like, yeah, get back into the vortex, so to speak, or whether it's for manifesting, whether it's for developing psychic gifts or your spiritual self is all the same of like actually healing and taking care of the body and the mind, which I get a lot of hell for it, for being so 3D and focused on the 3D and stuck in this physically manifested reality. And I'm like, (sighs) I really think it's shitty of you to dismiss it. Like, yeah, I really do. Yeah. (laughs) Why are we discounting it so much? Right. Like we, we signed up for this. We asked for it. It's important. It's what we like. It's important. We, we needed it. We asked for it. We wanted it. Right. Like consciousness experiencing itself through the 3d. So why are we like, ew, 3d, physical body nervous system now. This is our, like this, this is our, the circuitry we've been given to, 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 to do the energetic work. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's a new, it's almost like the body and the nervous system. It's like a new toy. It's like, we're, we got to like, not even well toy tool, you know, we're, we're, we got to learn to utilize it and work with it rather than discount it and work against it. And that's, that's where I come from too. And in everything that I teach, and I just want to rewind for one second when we're talking Mm -hmm. about healing, you're not broken. You don't have to fix yourself. Healing work doesn't mean you're broken, right? Like, I just want to say that too, because this is, this is like, you know, my whole journey too, is like trying Mm -hmm. to constantly heal from the trauma 
and feeling like I was always on this wheel of like, I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to heal. I'm going to, you know, get rid of these problems and this trauma. And it's like, okay, that was a huge part of my um, journey too, was like acceptance. Like, no, you're not broken. And then that also was, that came from going inward again, like that source version of you was never broken, can never be broken. This is just, this is a coming home process, really. That's exactly it. It's like feeling safe to be yourself again, because most of us, our whole lives, like most of our conditioning in childhood is just not being yourself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it's school or something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of systems in the world that bring us away from it, right? Like you're saying, like there's a lack of connection, like, you know, my three pillars, which I glean from Brene Brown are courage, compassion, connection, you know? Mm, And I think that that brings us back to, to our hearts, you know? And I think that like, that's where our home really is, is, is in our hearts and like connection is required and you have to be courageous in order to, to, you know, be authentically you and you have to have compassion for yourself along the way because that is the antidote to shame, in my opinion, you know, it's like compassion, yeah. compassion, compassion. Yeah, that one's been a harder part, not only of my journey, but I've noticed with a lot of people, like if we weren't raised with compassion, then learning it is something first off that we have to learn. And then second, yeah. we get safe with. <laughs> so it's a multifold process. And yeah, no one, no one is ever broken. If anything, it's just that we're doing the best that we can with what we had. Um, mm-hmm. I, one of my many lives <laughs> was doing cars and car repair. And I think about it like, you know, we all are given these Lamborghinis and a lot of us are trying to do the absolute bare minimum, giving it like shell 1030 oil and 87 gasoline. And then we're wondering why we're not getting like zero to 200 performance or mm-hmm. the things just crashed when a, we're not, acknowledging like what an amazing piece of equipment we have and we're not treating it like you would not treat a Lamborghini the same way as a Honda Civic like if you did the thing wouldn't actually run and that's actually a lot of times what we end up doing with our bodies Mm. not that Honda Civics aren't awesome I personally love Hondas they run forever but (laughs) just like for the sake of the example yeah completely different care and a lot of times people are like oh yeah you know my body's just this old beat up pinto and they've they're running a Lamborghini into the ground. <laughs> I feel that too. Like the I honestly, it's so multifaceted, right? Like I remember when yeah. I was 18 years old, I was like, yeah, I'm an 80 year old trapped in an 18 year old's body. <laughs> like I felt like shit Same when I was here. when yeah. I was 18. Like I felt so weak. I was underweight. I had like IBS. I had um, severe acid reflux. I was on medication for like that and all these things, you know? And I was like, I guess this is just the cards I got dealt, you know? And then I realized like, well, what are you putting into your body? You know, like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How are you moving? How are you caring for your body? How are you speaking to yourself? Like it was Mm. just, just such a full journey. And so I'm glad you brought Mm. that up too. It's, it's very, very true. And it's, it's a full package, you know, that's why people are always saying mind, body, spirit, you know, mind, body, Mm -hmm. spirit. It's true. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't just focus on the one and expect the other ones to be working fine. Like it's, it's not going to happen at all. Mm-hmm. Like years ago, uh, I got diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's and mm-hmm. I started like working on my physical self and I've been working on my mental self. Cause just, I had really bad mental health to begin with. And I hadn't worked on both of them together. Um. Like I had worked on my body for the Parkinson's part. And I had worked on my brain for the trauma part. I had not worked on my brain for the nervous system to try to work with my body to heal it part, which I mean, like I'm pretty asymptomatic now for someone that's got early onset Parkinson's. Like I should be, yeah. that was almost 12 years ago. I should be a lot worse. And a large part of it was working with the mind body spirit connection. I'd also been working in Western medicine. So I kind of shut down everything partly just to be able to deal with working in medicine. Cause otherwise like yeah. there's dead people everywhere. And I'm, as it is, I'm one of those people that'll be like, Oh, sorry. And everyone looks at me weird. I'm like, shit that person wasn't alive, were they? (laughs) So I was trying especially hard not to do that at work. So they didn't think I was nuts. Um, And I just kept shutting down more and more of myself. So I was disconnected from my mind. I was disconnected from my body and I had purposely disconnected from my spirit. And what do you know, everything was falling apart. My body was falling apart. The reason they actually diagnosed me was I'd start walking and then I would just collapse because my legs would freeze up and I couldn't take another step. And then they would just like lock and I would fall. And that was happening for a while. So I'm 25 and I'm losing my ability to walk already. I was like, well, this isn't good. Then they put me on medication, which made my liver tank like really quickly. So I had no choice at that point, but to figure out a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's actually what started me getting into crystal healing right off the bat too. Cause I used to Mm. think that was bullshit, but I got, um, I was an ultrasound tech and I had found out that the reason you see um, the image back is actually the physioelectric properties of the ultrasound, which is full of little uh, quartz crystals, rose quartz, oh. smoky quartz, and clear oh. bounces off and it disrupts something. So you actually see the disruption of physioelectric properties. So like mm. the crystals actually, like you can't have an ultrasound machine without those quartz crystals because it runs off wow. of that property. And I was I like, no idea. Huh. I wonder if it would do it for other things. And so I got, um, palm stones, fairly big ones of all of those. And I got like the strongest vibrator I could find. Uh, (laughs) The lady at the store was like, Oh, honey, you're gonna put yourself through a wall with this one. I was like, it's for a different part of me. And I let her know what was going on. She's like, Oh, actually, um, this one isn't as strong, but it has more oscillations, which is what I wanted, because that's what happens with the ultrasound probes. And within about six months of just doing that, and having to get off medication, I was able to start walking again. Wow. So I was like, damn yeah like those physioelectric properties they do some shit wait a second what were you doing with the vibrator i would take um because my hips were locking up so i'd take these i had big they were bigger than palm stones they were like this and i would put it on my hip and then i would put the big vibrator on top of it and i would hold it there for at first 30 seconds because my hips were so locked i was in like a stupid amount of pain like it was bad And then I got up to two minutes with each stone. I would do the rose quartz, the smoky quartz and the clear one, because I wasn't sure which one had the most efficacy. So I just did them all at first and I would just hold it on there. Like for a while, I would move it around in different spots, depending on my tension. But um, because that's actually all the ultrasound probe does is it just really quickly oscillates um, the crystals. So I got the vibrator to like kind of mimic the oscillation. Hmm. Wow. That is so, so fascinating. Yeah, it worked. Like my partner at the time was like, you crazy. I'm like, whatever, dude, I can't. And we're on the second floor. I'm like, I can't walk. So (laughs) I need to figure something out. And it it did actually really work. Um, Wow, that's amazing. I still can walk fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> very good. I'm very happy yeah. to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. It's so incredible. Like, honestly, like life can just be mind blowingly, like magical and incredible. If you let it be, if you're willing to look for, you know, that magic in those magical moments. Yeah. That just makes me like reflect a little bit, you know, like about what's available to us. And yes, you know, there's, there's the, there's always going to be the negative and, and we can, we can look at it and we can reflect on it, but there's always going to be like the, the magic that's not necessarily, the, the magic doesn't necessarily have to be the, like the feeling of like positive, you know, mm-hmm. it can be like the magic can just be like awe-inspiring or, yeah. you know, just like curious. I love curiosity. Like I love yes, that, fre- the frequency of curiosity. I think it's mm-hmm. such a creative frequency. But when mm-hmm. you think about creativity, you don't think about like rah, 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 you know, or curiosity. Yeah. You don't think about rah, rah, rah. You just think like, it's just like sort of like sparkly, magical, you know, yeah. sort of it's like more gentle. Yeah. Vibration. So yeah, really not thinking yeah, that you have to, that you have to be some hyper positive jumping off the walls person in order to manifest um we need I think we need that reminder all the time so and even with feelings like I I've had to try to adopt a new way of thinking about feelings so I don't think about them as like bad or good because that was not only negatively affecting my mental health but honestly like I was not so great at processing things because like most other people you know we're trained to avoid the bad air quotes Mm -hmm. And I thought about it more and I was like, you know, are my bad feelings actually bad? Like for a long time, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel sadness because I was so shut down. I didn't feel, I didn't let myself feel lost. I didn't let myself feel that pain. And now when I do feel sad about something like, you know, the family member death we had this week, it's like, you know what? My heart is on and it's working. That's taking a shit ton of therapy and I'm proud of me for that. Yeah, yeah. Sadness also means that I got to love something that much. And I'm really grateful about that. And there's Mm -hmm. other things. So I've had to, for me, redefine also um, what I consider like bad so that, because that's still for me, a self-rejection. If Mm -hmm. parts of me are bad when they're not, they're just inherently parts of me. Like my anger, like I'm a redheaded Cuban and a Leo. I got a fucking temper on me if you cross me. Like I'm really, really, really chill. But if you cross me, like you will wish you died as a child. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got to temper. And everyone said that was such a bad thing for a long time, but it's usually in a protective instance, actually. Um, yeah. And the few times that my temper has gone off, it's been usually around kids that I was being very protective of. And the adults thought that I shouldn't have made a scene, but the kids later on were like, thank you. It was nice to know that like I'm safe. And I don't give a shit if the adults are upset I made a scene. I care that a small child feels safe in this world. Um, yeah. So I don't see my anger as something negative either. So For me, a a large part of not only manifesting, but just growing as a person has been, I guess, de-villainizing some of my emotions. Yeah. That sounds weird, but. No, it doesn't. I've I've gone down this path recently too. I read this book. I'm still not quite finished. It's called Existential Kink. I mentioned it all the time, actually. I love that book. Yeah, it's it's good. So good. It like took, it took self-acceptance to like a whole next level for me where I was like, oh, I get to find 
pleasure in like the darkness inside of me or like, and I don't even like calling it darkness or like shadow. I don't even love that framing, but like the perceived, you know, bad, the perceived, it's like, well, how am I actually like getting off on this? How am I actually, what, how am I benefiting from this perceived negative part of me? Like another term for it is secondary gain. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. I really liked that because it was like, ooh, kinky, like taboo, fun. Let's let's right. like just flip this whole script. And I've never seen anyone talk about it the, the way that the author does there. Not remembering yeah. the author's name right now, but I want to come back one more second to child, oh, like the child and, and the inner child and stuff. Because when I first like, and I don't think a lot of people, when they, they hear about inner child, they're like, yeah, yeah. Does everything really have to go back to childhood? Like, can't we just get on with it? Get over with, you know, like, and yeah. what is this woo woo inner child business? Like, what is it even past in the past? Yeah. So what do you have to say about that? And also, how can people start interacting with their inner child? If that's something that they're ready to, you know, if they're at the level of, of you know, preparedness to go there? As far as like the eh, inner child sort of thing, I get it too. Cause uh, I'm, even when I'm working with like clients or doing classes, I'm like, y'all might get sick of hearing the words inner child by the end of this, but it's the big boss of everything. There's no way to get around it. The, I guess, stigma, I guess, if you will, like getting around that for me with the inner child work. Cause I, I resisted it so badly, like with traditional therapy for a long time. And my therapists were like, yeah, but you're just you had a particularly spicy childhood. Like we need to go into it. You need to do inner child healing. And I was like, no, I don't. That's some cheesy crap. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't. And they're like, okay, fine. So um, before I started doing the healing, I started doing the reconnection. And Mm -hmm. that was things that I liked doing when I was a kid. But um, my, my family was very much like, if it doesn't serve some sort of a purpose, just don't, you're wasting your time. So a lot of times I didn't do silly silly things like playing or um, like, you know, going out and getting dirty in the mud or coloring or things like that. And so that was one of the first things that I started doing was coloring, coloring books because I would have fun with them, but my family was like, I'd be done. I think it'd be all pretty. And they're like, you didn't even draw that. Like, and so (laughs) I know. So I still actually, I have one from like a Lisa Frank one and I did this cute little unicorn. It's all pretty and it's up on my fridge. Um, So one of the quickest ways that you can start working with your inner child is doing the things that you wish you could have had as a kid. Like Mm -hmm. I really wish I could have gotten some credit just for, well, you know, like most kids do. I mean, it might be dumb, but it's pretty to you and you'd like for somebody to show it off for you. So I, I also have pictures on my fridge of like my friends as kids have made me too. (laughs) It's important. Yeah. But that was one of the first things that you can do is uh, look back and we all know what we didn't get as kids. Like we know Mm -hmm. it uncomfortably Mm -hmm. well. Um, and so we can start giving ourselves that as adults. And one of those things too, that was big for me was, um, congratulations. Cause I was like, you know, gifted kid. So every excellence was expected and anything less was like just subpar. Me too. Yeah. My, and my- I never did anything excellent. Excellent was just run of the mill. And I was like, Fuck. right. Yeah. So my- I celebrate the hell out of everything. I'm like, damn girl. That was yeah. awesome. You're smart. You're brilliant. You're capable. I know. Like, holy shit. You're awesome. I just like verbally praise myself out loud all the time now. Yeah. I exact same. Like I was gifted as a child. My dad would, he was joking 
I I have a good relationship with my dad, but he would, he would go, I'd bring home like a 95. He'd go, where's the other 5%? Ha ha ha. Like he would joke about it, but still it was, it was like, you know, the, the situation. So now I walk around and I'm like, you know what, mommy, you're doing a really good job. You got so much done today. You did all the things you wanted to do. And I'm like talking out loud to myself through as I go through the house (laughs) doing the things. It's important though. Um, And honestly, the second part of that, it was something that I didn't realize was so important, not just for manifesting, but like adulting in general, which is self-parenting. Yeah. Um, And I didn't know that self-parenting, I mean, I heard it kind of tossed out there, but I didn't realize how much inner child care and self-parenting, they're not even intertwined. They're the same fucking thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is. How you take care of your inner child is how you self-parent yourself, like, period. Yeah. And I realized, like, oh, damn, like, I might be worse at parenting than my caregivers. I I don't like this. And so I started going about it also from more of a parenting perspective. And I looked at my friends that are excellent parents, and I mimicked a lot of what they were doing with myself, Mm -hmm. which felt silly at first. But also, that was something I needed to get used to as well, because I wasn't even allowed to feel silly as a kid. So mm. my body needed to get used to yeah. that one. Yeah. To like be on hypervigilant under control. Eh? Oh my God. I was such a little adult. I was, yeah, when you said too. like, I felt like a little 80 year old, I would joke all the time that I felt like a 90 year old in a kid's body. And mm-hmm. I, everyone was always so proud. Like, Oh, you're such a little adult. You're so mature. And I was like, I'm so dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. I'm just dead inside. Oh man. Yeah. Honestly, like, I feel like we could just talk forever about this stuff. Um, with the, with the inner child, like that, that is your subconscious programming. Like that is your, that is running the show. So if you don't want to call it your inner child, you can just think about it as like your subconscious programming. Cause it's the first seven years of life, right? Like that is, yeah. that's the programming period. Yeah. Um, and your nervous system is the first three actually. Oh God. Which is a little, yeah. Your love map is the first seven, but your nervous system is actually the first three. So that puts so much pressure on parents, but (laughs) I know. And that's the three, like most frustrating years too, generally until you hit the teen years. (laughs) So hard. You know what? I actually just recently heard, um, like reparenting the, the inner teenager. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is something that I haven't considered yet. And then I thought to myself, mm, she comes out all the time. I think she's somebody I need to start having conversations with because I had like pretty much zero parenting as a teenager. Like I, um, moved out, I'm out, I moved out at 17 and my mom was just like completely incapacitated for several years before I moved out. So, and my dad wasn't living with us. So I was like a free, free bird yeah. as a teenager. So yeah, you're still yeah. parenting then. I was, and I don't think that a teenager should be self-parenting. So that's something that I'm going to be exploring personally um, coming down the line. But this conversation has been so incredible. I knew it would be. Maybe we'll have to do a part two sometime down down the line. One question that I ask everybody before uh, we wrap up is, what are you currently manifesting? Ah, Um, I'm actually working on, I'm relaunching my Simply Soulpreneur, um, which is, it's a business course, but it's a lot of focus more on like trauma and the personal development and not so much as just the education and the like, you know, semantics sort of thing, although that is on the back end. Um, So the next, that starts on 24th of this month. So I'm manifesting about a dozen people that are going to be great for this. 
This one's going to be a very, very high touch experience. So I don't think I'll have the spoons to do more than a dozen right now. Right. Um, but I'm really excited for the next round. It's neurodivergent specific. And because um, I've also noticed that people with trauma, even if you're not biologically neurospicy, then you end up um, CPTSD and PTSD, as well as getting hit um, fairly frequently can also mimic the uh, ADHD symptoms, the symptoms uh, of ADHD. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Um, right. So there's a lot of like hacks and stuff in there for that as well. So I'm, I'm looking for the 12, like, exact right people that like, yes, they want to improve their business and maybe they're in a pivot. And, but really they're just like at the point where they're tired of just doing affirmations and pushing through and faking imposter syndrome and really want to like have a brand that monetizes based off of like the comfortable ass human being that they actually are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming back to authenticity, integrity, yeah. and the, my two words for 2022 are integrity and sustainability. So oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Sustainability is a big one for me. I've been revamping a lot this year because um, mm-hmm. I did so much one-on-one work and it just wasn't sustainable. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it, especially since I do very, very deep, like, you know, traumatic work and nervous system work. Um, when you're doing that with like six, seven people a week individually, it can get very hard. Whereas like yeah. if you're working with a group, kind of walking them through it, it it's for me, less uh, emotional spoons. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm working on manifesting that, although for the entire year, we have some other projects that we've got going that I'm not going to say all of yet, but right. that I've been wanting to do like for years now. And I'm finally at the place where they're actually starting to take form and actually starting to shape up. And I'm like, almost can't believe that it's actually finally happening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's so exciting. That. Yeah. You have so yeah, much to offer. Mm -hmm. I can tell that you have so much to offer and I'm excited to see how our relationship develops as well, because I, there's just so many things that we have that like link up. Um, and I'm so attracted to the work that you do. So I'm excited to see where that goes and just let everybody know where we can find you right now online. Yeah. You can find me, um, on Facebook, Summer Aguila, or my handle is your mom called me poppy. Or on Instagram, summer.aguila. My website is simply spiritsupport.com. Um, okay. But usually yeah, I'm on Facebook. I have a free group in there that has like a ton of free education. Um, that's simply spirit support. Like the actually the first unit in there is the physics of manifesting. So you can learn how manifesting actually works. Um, mm-hmm. Totally free because I think it's messed up. People should charge for it. And then I also in the units have like stuff for mental health, nervous system, all those sort of things. So yeah. you can actually get going and make the change that you need, even if you're not financially able to right now. Okay. So we'll put all that in the show notes. We'll put all the links there. Um, and thank you again so much for thank this. Thank you for having me. I really, really, really loved it. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, thanks for listening. And I hope you're enjoying your day. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Millie Fox Show. If you resonated with something in the episode, take a screenshot right now and share it to social. You can tag me at Millie Fox so I can reshare it. And while you're there, come give me a follow and say hey. If you're really vibing, I would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review to help the show reach more listeners. And if you want to go one step farther with me, you can hop over to the link in my bio on Instagram to see how you can work with me. Thanks again. Love you guys.